podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm here today to talk about Aberdeen 1, Celtic 1. Chris, uh, you are dialing in from Glasgow. Chris McElwain, we've got Kevin McCluskey in from Hungary and Ian Conroy all the way from New Zealand. Um, classic game of two halves. Kevin McCluskey, I'm going to start with you there. Uh, what was that about us in the, the beginning of that second half? We were a, a completely different animal. Um, back foot, Aberdeen came at us, we didn't get a grip in the game until we made the subs. Yeah, um, I'll start off with a comment that will probably make me unpopular in the comment section, but I thought that was actually a really good and enjoyable game of football to watch. Obviously, the result didn't go right, so it doesn't make it a good game from a Celtic perspective, but it was actually, I thought, really entertaining to watch that game. Um, and part of what made it entertaining was that, again, the Jekyll and Hyde from us, pretty good first half, we were completely dominant and it seems to be that when we go in at half time in games like this we're not ex- expecting a reaction from the opposition somehow and I don't know why because it, it's natural surely that if the opposition's been under the, the cost for 45 minutes, they're going to get a bit of a rollick and they're going to kick up the backside and a motivation to come out for the second half and it was like watching the game at Rugby Park against Kilmarnock all over again because Aberdeen came out and you've, you'll give, well, I'll give them lots of credit for that second half. They had passion and fight and desire to go and win that game, which was everything that we were lacking. Um, so, yeah, I think we've come out in the second half kind of expecting that it will be re- rinse and repeat of the first half and we'll go on. If we keep on doing what we're doing, we'll keep on creating chances and we'll get a goal. And once we get in front, we'll win the game. Aberdeen made sure that didn't happen. So I'd say big credit to them, but big worries for us that we were not able to to compete for, say, the first 15, 20 minutes of that half. And then we left ourselves open to counter-attacks for the rest of the half. Um, if it wasn't for Joe Hart making two or three really, really big saves, we could be sitting here with even you know sadder, more depressed faces on at the moment. Um, so kudos to Joe Hart for saving us there. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to bring up that point, Kevin, and run with it. Gerard Quinn, no pass marks for anyone. Players have no interest or desire. We'll come back to that as well. Too many balls going back and at a slow pace. Too many balls going back and at a slow pace. That's Rogers. That's the way he plays. He wants complete possession, complete control. That That is the game plan, Gerard, which I find really frustrating. Um, we spoke about this at half time where we said if a player carries the ball and the two guys that were doing it in the first half was Callum McGregor and Liam Scales, then it kind of changes the the shape of your opposition, puts Aberdeen on the back foot. Or if you play that long searching pass, and Navroski was doing it well in the first half, um, then it can create a space for the likes of Kyogo. We didn't do it enough in the second half. Second half, right back to that that uh, ball possession, the, the absolute control. No pass marks for everyone? Well, I'm going to say Joe Hart. Chris, pass marks for Joe Hart, because if it wasn't for him, we're sitting here 2 or 3 1 down here. Yeah, I, look, I think that's I, I think that's 100% right. I mean, first half, look, we were dominant. 
right, we were dominant without scoring, which is a frustrating aspect of what we've seen in a lot of games this season. You know, we're creating a lot. We just kind of seem to get that final that that final product, that final ball into the net. Um, but you always think if you if you're playing that well at half time, you go to the second half and you build on that. You carry on and you do well. But I, I think um, some that are really well there, you get that reaction. I've got to anticipate that, that if a team that's just been on the end of a, a, a hammer and they still come out with a nil nil at half time, the manager's going to come in there and say, "Listen, we're still in this, boys. Let's get out there and have a go." And I think that's what happened. Then we weren't we weren't ready for it. Um, Joe Hart, I thought, was outstanding um, in that second half. I think uh, I, I think he covered for some pretty erratic displays from both of our, our centre backs. I think uh, you know after it's, Sod's law, isn't it? We were praising Scales at half time um, and I thought we were pretty solid defensively. And then both Scales and, and Narochki had, you know, some real flaky moments there. Bernabe, I think, absolutely should have been hooked. Uh, he was caught so far out of position for the for the Mayofsky goal. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, he was in a different time zone uh, yeah. when, when, when that goal went in. But yeah, it, it's just it's just this frustrating aspect. When we're dominant, when we're on top, we can't take advantage of it. And I don't know that mentality problem. Is it the tactical inflexibility that's that, that, that's getting us? I mean we brought on, you know, we brought on Kuhn, we brought on uh you know I think the two of them actually looked relatively decent in, in, in you know in moments. I thought they'd done well but Kuhn, you know I don't think the shot was going in, I think he got lucky with the deflection, but he had to be in there and he took the shot especially and got the, the reward. But we, we should be we should have been four or five goals up at half time and then to allow the team to come back in is kinda of, you know it's endemic of our season. You know, we were dominating way ahead of Rangers earlier on the season, now we're we're letting them back in. And it's it's negligent. It's negligent on the field and off the field. No, it definitely is. I mean the frustrations obviously are, are coming through. On the comment section, sixteen hundred, in fact seventeen hundred live on the post match, let us know how frustrated you are. Uh what is causing this? Uh, where do we start as a as a fan base, um, because obviously we can discuss it here, we can share views, disagree and debate. Um, we were talking during the week about uh, what happens if we don't win this league this season. And with results like that, after six straight wins, Ian, um, you basically late on a plate, Rangers playing this afternoon against Livingston, by some distance the worst team in the league. That's a win. They'll win their game in hand. It'll be all square down to goal difference. We could have brought in quality in January. I'm not about to take all the excuses about it's a hard window. If you want the quality in, Ian, you can go and get it. We basically tried to play it safe. We were overcautious as ever. The recruitment team yesterday we were talking about, right, they've not done it for four windows in a row. Get rid of them. How do you do that? Start with the head of recruitment. It's simply not good enough. And this is the result. You go up to Pataudry, a team who, you know, that bunch of players that were playing for Aberdeen today got Barry Robson the sack. They're sitting eighth in the league. They're not a good side. We've got to go up there and win. And at one nothing, the conversations we were having as a group were about, right, you need to step up. You're one nothing down. This is Celtic. You need to show the guts. You need to show the, the character, the state of mind, the mental fortitude to pull this back. And I think the problem we've got at the moment is there's clutchy players who don't have that. They don't, they don't have that mental strength, Ian, to come back from that, win the game. You know, it's all about... Ah, uh, you know what? There might be two or three um, moments of skill that I put in there that I could put on a showreel and stick it on Instagram. I couldn't care less about that. Get the win, and there's not enough players in that team for me to have the mentality to get that win. 
Because like I was saying before about, you know, and I'm not trying to be ageist, but by the very nature of a younger sort of team, you, you've got that, you haven't got that experience, you have that, that kind of, you know, you look, you look at McGregor, if you had a team full of hit, McGregor, as you know, would find a way to win somehow. Um, and a lot of that comes down to experience and being there and done it, you know. So there's, you know, there's a few, a few new players in the team. Um, like I said before about Palmer, you know, it's like he's, he's it's like he's two two years too early for him. There's a, there's a player in there, but ineffectual really. It's, point, it's pointless being there, you know. Um, for for all, for all he did, um, I'm not gonna get too upset with you. I think Kevin, I think it was a good game, you know. Um, it would have been if we were a neutral anyway. Um, but we couldn't handle the high press. We could not handle it. The pitch looked a bit bobbly. I, I don't know if it was just my eyes or but it just looked like we just couldn't get yeah. wouldn't stick for us. See, couldn't f- fill over the ball when he was he, he, he sort of it was in the box. I don't know if that was just him having clown shoes on or um, whether he actually the, the, the pitch was cutting up a little bit, maybe a bit of both. Um, but we just couldn't get any rhythm, you know. And it, it happens, you know. It's it's not an easy place to go, um, and it can go one or two ways, can't it? You know, when you got that new manager bounce or the, the assistant manager, they can either get absolutely a new one ripped or a positive result and that's happened today so you know that's we've kind of been undone by our own you know um, cautiousness in the, in, the, in the transfer market and I, I know that Brendan sort of it's like he's it's almost like sometimes he comes out you know like, like he's kind of like dodgy clairvoyance at the, at the fair it's like you know there's a seance like oh I can, I can I can sense a man or a woman you know like, that's just kind of like Brendan you know it's like oh in, in the transfer market you know, we nearly got this guy. I wonder if we nearly got another Declan Rice or we nearly got, you know, because that's what he alluded to. Whether it's the truth or not, I don't know, but like, just go and get them. We've got money in the bank. Go and get them. And apparently there was players that wanted to come, but the, the clubs wouldn't let them, wouldn't let them come who were, who were of that kind of, that next level up. Sounds like, sounds like bullshit to me, to be honest, but, um, you know, um, but anyway, that, that aside, I'm, I'm not going to chop my toys at the pram. It's over a season. I don't think Rangers are going to win every single uh, remaining game. Um, you know, they, they will, they will let it probably go top next week. Um, but, you know, it's over the season. I think they will, they will drop points. We might drop for more points as well, but we're still, I still fancy us for the league. Yeah, well, you know, this is a thing with regards to any, any display. Uh, what I've certainly learned in the four years of covering the games and every single Celtic game in that period um, is the the disappointment after a game. Uh, there's a lot of emotion attached to that. And absolutely, yeah, you, you can look at the uh, season in its entirety, but I do feel that the issues that we've been talking about all season have come home to roost. If January is so uh, difficult, uh, a transfer window, make sure you've already got your business done. Don't be bringing in nine guys who basically won't make a difference to your first 11. The only one that has done is Palmer, and even he is dividing opinion at this moment. I mentioned it before. You know, if it hadn't been for Carter Vickers' injury, we would have had three of those nine guys out on loan already, one transfer window later. Three of them haven't made as much as 900 minutes um, appearance-wise for the Celtic first team. That's six players out of the nine. Another one, um, one of the players is a Wata who we knew all about. Um, you know, so he was a he was a signing that it's not as if we've gone out and scouted them in the summer and found them and the recruitment team have done well. He was brought in by Ange Postacoglu, so no one can take credit for that, even though he's not playing because he's injured at the minute. 
It was a dreadful transfer window in the summer. No one can convince me otherwise. I can't see anybody having any kind of weight of argument to convince me any other way. It left us in a position, Kevin, where we're going into a January transfer window with every excuse in the book all lined up about it being a difficult window. But that's, you've made it difficult. You've made it difficult because on the Monday before the window shuts, we're, we're contacting strikers who haven't got a clue that Celtic are interested in them. You know, there's no way, if we had been interested in that striker, that he has been on a list that has basically been put to the, the gap. By the way, this isn't a, a, a go at Ida. I thought he played, you know, when he came on, he made a difference. Him and Kuhn made a difference when he came on as substitutes today. That was the big thing. But our recruitment is a shambles. It's disjointed. The club at the moment is dysfunctional. And uh, People going about, you know, you're scared to upset the club. What are they going to do to me? You know, they can't revoke my season ticket, right? They can't do that. I've, I've not misbehaved in the stadium. Or they might not let me into a press conference. Right, OK, that's fine. But we're going to speak our mind anyway, Kevin. It comes down to that, doesn't it? It comes down to poor management. People on the, the comments are saying, listen, this isn't on the board, it's on the players. It's a collective. Failure at a football club is a collective. We have lacked an ambition this season to improve, right? Dermot Desmond's came in and got his man, but the people who run the club day-to-day and week-to-week have stuck to their stance in terms of spend, recruitment, being overcautious, keeping a pile of money in the bank just in case we don't get into the Champions League. That is a, I mean, that is a prophecy that is going to happen. You know what I mean? You're going to, you're going to make it happen by not investing. And we've seen today there was a moment where you know we would have been really, really struggling um, if Alistair Johnson couldn't play on because you know the, the squad is that shambolic. We would not have had a like-for-like like replacement. We would have been too overcautious to go three at the back at that stage, even though I was kind of fancying it to go out for a win. Um, and that's where we are just now. Uh, and going from, I think, eight points uh, of a lead, which was our biggest lead of the season, to, to the point where Rangers will be um, neck and neck with us. Uh, and, and it's a dogfight. It's not even a title fight, because I don't think any of the two teams are that great, Kev. Well, we're certainly not great. I, I don't watch Rangers, so I don't know how good they truly are, but I know that in the two games we've played them, um, they've looked pretty average. And, well, sorry, I don't know if you can hear interference from outside. Somebody's not saying. Uh, can I hear James French is in your room with his laptop on. <laughs> so, so, uh, I'm going to have to just go and close my window for a I'll throw it to Chris. I'll throw it to Chris. There's plenty. Um, there's absolutely plenty uh, coming through in the comment section. And you know, this isn't about being uh, during the week. Celtic fans were called demanders, Chris. They were called demand. They're not supporters. Listen, that really irked me, right? Because I've got a lot of respect for Andrew Smith. Uh, used to work for the Celtic View. I've met him, and um, you know, I think he's an excellent investigative uh, writer and, and journalist and I think he's very good at his job but what really annoys me is if Celtic fans are called entitled um, or we're called what this new one you know demanders how can you differentiate between what is a supporter so if you're a, a fan of a football club right and you buy your season ticket and you buy your merch and you know you talk about it and you push content and all this surely you are able, as a football fan, as you've always been in a supporters' bus or in a boozer or with your mates, to have an opinion on the club. Surely you can demand 
the best from your football club, Chris? Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, look, I think we need to be realistic about, um, uh, you know, our club and the position of our club and how our club stands up against, you know, the majority of other clubs in, in Scottish football. Look, you know, we're a successful club. We're a successful club with a lot of resources uh, comparatively, you know, and if we're just looking at the best of the game, you know, we should be on paper head and shoulders above all but all but one other team in the in the SPL, right? I mean, it's just a it's just a fact. When you've got that inherent advantage in, in your team, now we don't have the god given right to go and beat any team, right? That's disrespectful to all the other teams. Everybody can come and show more passion and 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 you know have a, a great day on the pitch. But if you just break it down to cold hard basic numbers and facts and stats or whatever you want to call it. We should be beating, you know, ninety percent of the teams and the league week in, uh, week out, and so it's not entitled to have that level of expectation, right? Because that's what you know, it's just based on on fact. But we have to reflect that on the on the pitch, and we have to reflect that in terms of our investment in the team and the club, and that's why we get frustrated. It's not entitlement; it's frustration. It's frustration at the fact that we are not building on success. We're not taking advantage of the financial rewards that we earn through our success. Um, we're not making progress in a competition that we're aspiring to try and reach and, uh, and achieve as you know, achieving as supporters. Um, and, and you know, we're all crying out to say, okay, we're we're good. We are good. We're we're the top team in Scotland at the moment, certainly at this point in time. Um, but we're we're being negligent. We're sitting back and saying, no, nah, that's enough. We're, we're done enough. We're not going to go forward anymore. We're, we're okay, and that's frustration. It's not entitlement. It's not demanding. We just want to see it build on success. Uh, that, that, that's it. We, we want to see it continue. We want sustained success. We don't want success one year and then drop off the next year, let Rangers come back in, and then and back again. Ah, we're back again. Great, there we go. No, we want sustained success. We want to build on our success. And you know what? See if Rangers have similar resources, if they, they get back to that point and they come back and they build a brilliant team, what they had in the 90s, hopefully legally. Um, but if they, they build a, a, a team and they come in and they compete, and you know what, the, the league does yo-yo, but at least we are progressing as well. You know, we're, we're getting better and they're getting better and it becomes an, an even title race. Most people would say, oh, you know, don't like the fact that we lost that league, but at least, you know, we made a, we're a really good team and we gave it a real go and, you know, it, it was purely on the pitch that we, we, we just didn't quite hit the mark that thing. But see when you're, you're so far ahead and you've been so far ahead and then... You know, you sort of say, hang on a minute, surely what we need to do is send a couple of really good players in here, augment that championship winning squad. That's what it's only marginally removed from a treble winning squad. Get, you know, and build on that success. And it, you know, we, we don't do that. Then, yeah, that's no wonder the fans are frustrated. No, and you know what? We're not, this is not just about a 1 1 draw with Aberdeen and Pataudry. You know, that, that's not what it's about. It's about uh, big issues that we've been discussing since the beginning of the season. Uh, Chill Pill, by the way, just to let you know, there's there's not a um, there's not much of 2,000 on the live stream, which means that there is a hell of a lot of comments coming through. Tell me the names of the people who are lurking, as Chill Pill has done right here, um, with the um, appropriate emoji. And obviously, I will then block them. It's difficult to do that in lifetime. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. And obviously I will act on it. I said we're in a dog bite. Gary says we've got poodles. I think that goes back to the mentality of it. It's the mentality of building a side and then chucking nine new bodies into a treble winning side and just hoping it works. 
why can't we get to the point where, you know, the, the 11 players we've signed this season, why wasn't it four, right? And the combined wages and the combined transfer fees, why wouldn't it be four? And anybody that comes back to me and says, a Yeti and Barkas, five million doesn't guarantee a good player. No, of course it doesn't. But you're shopping in a completely different arena when it comes to upping the ante of the quality of the player, and if you use a Yeti and Barkas, I'm coming back at you with Carter Vickers and Jota because they didn't do too bad, didn't they? Ian McGinley, how did Celtic not see this coming? This is the thing. I'll go back to the COVID season. Kevin McCluskey, um, you were on that, you know, on the streams regularly during that season. We were calling it in October. We were calling it in October and we waited four months as a football club. And there's been an interview since from Dermot Desmond who says, you know, we like our club to be fair and to give people who have been loyal to our club a chance. Anybody could see it coming. There's issues with Celtic right now. Um, there's a dysfunctional nature between manager, recruitment team. I mean, the managers even said they could have been braver, you know, but obviously the recruitment team are hamstrung by the board. And that's where when people say, how's it the board's fault? Well, the root of the issue is the players we've got, the collection of players we've got right now aren't good enough. So whose fault is it, Right. I mean, th there's also the argument in there that Rodgers isn't getting enough out of certain players, Kevin, and I, I take that because Kyogo's the big one, isn't he? Kyogo, and I mean, a couple of, couple of moments today, but he's, you know, he's a shadow of his former self. And, we, you know, your biggest task as a manager would be figuring out why that is and then making sure you can put it right, Kev. It doesn't look like we're going to, though, does it? It doesn't, and that's the worrying thing, and it's been like that from the very beginning of this season, really. Uh, I mean, I would think if I was a manager coming into a club and I had a player of the qualities and abilities of Kyogo up front, I'd be building my team and my style around him to get the most out of him. Yeah. He's the focal point. He's the guy that's going to score the goals and he's done it for the two seasons beforehand. So he's got a proven track record. To come in and have kind of this bigger a change in style that, that, that Rodgers is wanting to implement, that totally removes all of his good qualities without actually finding another way of replacing them within the team is just bizarre. Because it's fine, like, he, he did do it with Griffiths. He'd, he'd take a 40-goal-a-season striker and he stopped playing to his strengths, but we got goals from elsewhere. So it was fine. But we're not getting the goals from elsewhere, not on a regular basis. Um, so that's really worrying. And the fact that Rogers doesn't seem to want to change it or hasn't identified it, or is coming out the lines before that he hasn't asked Kyogo to change his game when he clearly has, because he's not playing the same game anymore. So there's definitely something not right there. There's a, a major disconnect and worry. And to be fair to us on this podcast as well, we've spoken about this after games that we've won. Yeah. There's no just that we're doing it in a game that after a game that we didn't win. We've been highlighting this all season that something hasn't been right. Uh, and and we can sit here as fans, identify what's going wrong and come up with solutions. It's worrying that the the manager, the coaching staff aren't doing it. I think it was maybe Chris mentioned this at half time, or maybe it was just one of the comments that came in about why is Alistair Johnston playing that high ball into Kyogo every time? It's like because he's been told to do it by Brendan Rogers. That's a tactic to do that. But why? I mean, clearly it doesn't work. So either 
Johnson's got to be big enough via the pack and step up and go, listen, I'm going against the manager's instructions here and we're going to play the pass that works. But he's sticking to instruction and it's just so clearly wrong. And again, we can see it, how can't they? Uh, but, yeah, to, to go and, and talk about the players themselves, I don't necessarily blame them. I think uh, if the players aren't good enough, to a degree, it's not their fault that they're not good enough. Or, the, or rather, it's not their fault that they're playing for Celtic and they're not good enough to play for us. That's the recruitment team. And that, can kind of get to your question, Paul, is the blame it starts and ends, really, is the recruitment team. If we get the recruitment right, we've got a far better chance of being successful. We take a scattergun approach in the summer, we sign three or four wingers to replace one when one player would have done. Uh, we did the same in, in defence. And we've downgraded with every signing that's come in. And for a club that wants to, or that should want to be ambitious and you know, want to progress and move forward, the way that we are running this club just now is an absolute joke. Um, it, it, it's been coming. It's been coming for a long time. We've handed the momentum to Rangers, I unfortunately no longer share Ian's uh, enthusiasm that we'll still go in and win the league. I think we should, because on paper we've got the best team. But when it comes to games like this, we don't have the fight and we don't have the right the players. The recruitment picking the wrong players to come in and fill the holes in that team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite angry today, Paul. Doesn't, doesn't yeah. highlight, right? Doesn't the highlight that Ange was so definitely a fluke. Right. No, it was 100% oh, And like you look at the look at the, the, the great progressive teams of modern teams if you had Ange in the pipeline then you'd have another the next Ange as, a, as part of your succession plan yep. so it's all scattergun so we, we, we got lucky with Ange but then what we should have done and it got me thinking about when, when Lenny came in after uh, Rogers went down to Leicester and he was asked you know he'd start to sort of see it through and he said, look, I just didn't want to change anything. It was a winning team and it was hard, but he just that's what that was his his, his experience taught him that and he did it and he got us over the line and we won the league. You look at back to when Sunis, I think he's admitted, you know, when he went when he after the left Rangers and he went to Liverpool and he dismantled the team too quickly. He changed he changed, he, he changed things too quickly. He obviously with, through hindsight he's he's, he's 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 come to that conclusion, but you know, a lot of fans knew that anyway. But you're right, and it's that the, the players that are that are, that are coming in or not, they're not an adequate replacement for the players we've lost. Um, we're just keep we keep just trying to get the money in, you know, and, not, and 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 hoping hoping for the best, not actually planning for the best. We need first team ready players. We've got enough money in the bank, you know, and it's like, but it's just we're just it's just chances. That's Chance. exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm going to. I mean, I always go back to this, <clears throat> the chairman's. Notes on the financials in September when we were talking about players, and um, obviously I'm talking about a disconnect. It's a disconnect because if if uh, the club were to hear what we we're saying just now, they would just their attitude is, "What do you know? What do you know about recruitment? What do you know about running a, a football club?" Uh, this formula says Peter Lowell talking about the way that we recruit. This formula has underpinned both our footballing success and financial stability over a number of years. And now it is vital that we adhere to it. They're not changing it. They're going to adhere to it because it's worked for a number of years. And this is the thing. There is absolutely no diversity, creativity, 
um, or even ambition in terms, or braveness, if you want to use one of uh, Brendan's words. Um, Anti-fascist, thank you for uh, calling out RFC 55. The name gave it away. The emoji is appropriate and he's gone. Bye-bye. And uh, Bears, 1872, just before you get blocked as well. Poundland, Johnny Marr, you know all about Poundland. That's all your club cost when it was sold a couple of times, actually, your old club. Um, so, yeah, thanks for contributing to a Celtic state of mind. And please enjoy your ban. Um, AGSC Tech, we are missing six first-team players. Fair play. Yeah. If they were so pivotal to us winning the fixtures that we're going to miss, why didn't we go for the Asian Cup games to be postponed? Because we simply... I mean, I'm going to bring it up, right? Because you've mentioned, Kevin McCluskey, you've mentioned the uh, the Griffiths um, example and the fact that Kyogo were not comparing the players. We're, we're comparing the way that you know, they've gone from prolific goal scorers to either non-playing or non-prolific strikers uh, under Brendan Rodgers. The other one was Rio Atati. You know, David Turnbull was picked in front of Rio Atati for the first game of this season. Turnbull is now no longer required by Celtic and he's been punted to guard of City. Rio Atati last season, had it not been for injury, would have been our player of the season. The guy is a baller, he's a game-changer, he does things in a match that can unlock a defence like that defence today. I know he wasn't available and now he's injured. But Chris, he did it at the beginning of the season with Rio Atati. You build your team around guys like him and Kyogo. You don't play against their strengths or or drop them. Yeah, I think that's one of the frustrations for me has been the where's the consistency in the strategy, right? Both on and off the pitch, right? Um, I mean, like... If you're going to hedge your bets on David Turnbull, look at the first game of the season, he had a decent game. I've never really thought he's, he's yeah, I've always thought he was a kind of moments player, a player of moments rather than a guy who, you know, uh, influences a game for 90 minutes. But a decent player and, you know, wish him all the best um, down, at, down at Cardiff. But yeah, you know, you've got a guy who was influencing matches a whole game last season, you know, real Matai. You know, he's a guy you build the team around. Matt O'Reilly's kind of stepped into that, that role a little bit this year. You know, so again, a guy you want to try and build your team around. I think it was, uh, it, it, it was Ian, I don't know if it was Ian or Kevin that said it, talked about Kyogo being the focal point. Build your team around the guy. Build your style of play around guys like that that are proven that they are going to deliver. We've got two seasons they've done it. You know, and they've done it and they've won trebles. They, 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 you know, they're outstanding. Um, but... You know, we went through the mill about trying to replace Atati. It was, you know, Bernardo in the Champions League games. It was Turnbull one week. It was um, home one week. God, you know, everyone else was a latter one week. You know, it was like, who? surely to goodness, the managers and the coaches on the training field are saying, right, he's the best. No, he's the best this week, but yeah, he's, he's right. the one that I think can consistently deliver and go in there and fit and play around guys like O'Reilly and, you know, allow McGregor to play his role. Uh, yeah, it just it, it drives me insane. It just doesn't seem. It, it almost seems what we're flying by the seat of, the, seat of our pants. And the recruitment strategy uh, embodies that as well. Here's Ida. Now, I, I absolutely hope Ida goes on and, and does well for us. I thought in flashes today, his, his movement, his one-touch stuff, his build-up play for a guy that's just come into the club, I thought was actually pretty good. So I'm, I'm going to say that. So I, I, I'm hoping the boy goes on and does well. But if he does, it's through luck, not through strategy. You know, because if he was only identified on or, or approached on Monday, that means he's not been part of our recruitment strategy. He's not been on that short list. No. No. Uh, or if he has been, he's been well down that short list. Um, right? So, fingers crossed he goes on and he proves, uh, you know, he proves that wrong and he does well. But th- there's a lack of consistent and, you know, cohesive strategy 
both on and off the park at the moment. And I, I think there needs to be changes in both those aspects, both either on the training pitch amongst the coaches, maybe even a manager, and in the back room with a recruitment strategy and whoever the hell else is making decisions there because it's so disconnected at the moment. It is. It's disconnected and some fans feel disconnected. Dread Scotland's on his way up to Celtic Park right now to let them know that he is feeling disconnected and shark angry. And shark and hands. Shark and hands. Harris fencing, yeah. Jamie, no flair, no pace, no desire. We have lost a bit of flair, but I'm going to say before we go, that's half an hour and, and as I say, I loathe to cut off 1,700 people live. But Ian, I was impressed with Kuhn. I thought Kuhn came on, he showed um, all these things, talking about flair and desire. I think he did show that. I think that what he gave to the team was vastly superior to what we've seen from Abada recently. Abada is a player that I rate really, really highly. He's not kicked the ball this season. I know he's had his uh, issues with injuries. He's not kicked the ball for Celtic this season. Kuhn, for me, looked far more direct. He was willing to take on players. There's a bit of the Paddy Roberts about him, not just the way he looks, but the way he plays. Um, and he does so far. I mean, we've only seen him a couple of times. He was, for me, one of very few bright spots to date, Ian. Yeah, it's interesting, that actually. You, you, when Brendan said it, um, I think Brendan, I, I only read it uh, somewhere. The next stuff I read, but it was, it was um, he compared um, the new guy to, to, to Dembele. Um, I think I read that. I don't know if I dreamt that. But, you know, um, he had that set of certain attributes as the big one up front. He said it was a bit like Dembele. And Kuhn, funnily enough, has similarities to, to Paddy Roberts. So yeah. maybe he's trying to get the whole band back together, you know, but just with different people. Um, so time will tell. Um, yeah, time will tell. But I think, yeah, Kuhn, Kuhn he looked, he looked a, a tidy player. Um, he, he, yeah, I think I'd like to see more of him. I'd like to see more of him. Um, yeah. The final well, thing I'm going to say at half time. Someone said the skills experiment has to end now. Um, Kevin, I put it to you that the Burnaby experiment ends now. I would like to hope so. Who plays? That's not even a question, is it? No. Uh, who, who do you put in at left back? Anyway, that's the bigger question. It's not, um, it's not about Burnaby. Uh, Mitchell Frey. I think the only option we've got at the moment is Ralston to come in and play there. Because if Taylor's injured, Burnaby's not an option because he's just not good enough. And the young boy Frame is injured, I think. Then that's your kind of natural fullback, left backs out. If Frame's fit, I'd give him a shot, to be fair, because he can't do any worse than Burnaby. And I don't like the idea of moving scales because it didn't work the last thing when he played at left back. And he has been our best centre back all season. So you're going to weaken two positions, really, by moving scales. So I'd, um, yeah, I'd probably go with Alston. It's either that or we do that really bold thing and we'd make the 3-5-2 switch that we've spoken about all day because that might solve a few issues as well. Mm. I, I looked at that goal. Um, uh, one thing, actually, that I forgot to speak about is my off I'm going to let you have the final word on this, Kevin, because I know you, lo- you watched a lot of them when he played in Hungary, but... When I watched the goal, um, the the fact that Burnaby was so out of position actually put me in mind of the, the first goal against Kilmarnock. You remember when Craig Taylor was so out of position. I mean, he was he was sitting in the number 10 position when that goal came down his end. The two centre-halves are on the back foot, you know, and it's just like if you get a good enough ball or finish, 
then you're going to concede. And we did concede, and it was Miofsky. And he's a player that apparently, Kev, um, Brennan Rodgers rated highly. He'd had him watched in every game this season. Um, if the interest in Miofsky was, was true and real and realistic, it does beg the not based on today, but it does beg the question, why didn't we go for him? You've got a guy in Dave, David Turnbull who, you know, is a £2 million midfield player. Would could he have been used as a make, you know, a part of a, a make weight deal? Not that we need them, we could have spent the money, but was that the reluctance? Were we reluctant to spend four and a half on on Mioski? I think it must have been something like that. I mean, when, excuse me, when was the last time we spent that kind of money on somebody in Scotland? Was it, was it really? Scott Brown was the last one that we'd have spent that kind of money on? But so, like, we all know that. Um, January is the tough window to do your business in. You should do the bulkier business in the summer. January is just getting those one or two final kind of missing pieces of the jigsaw and all that. Clubs don't want to sell. You can make whatever arguments you want. If you want a player badly enough and you've got £70 million burning a hole in your back pocket, spend the money. If you think Mayovsky is the striker that can get you the goals to win you the league, spend the money. Take the risk. There's a team across the other side of Glasgow who've got no money, but they're spending it like confetti because they know that if they win it, there's a big bonus at the end of it for them. We've got the money and we've been so risk-averse that we are going to throw a league title away that um, that should have been pretty much wrapped up by now, to be fair, because we were eight points clear at one point. We should be sitting pretty comfortable just now. And we're not. Um, like I say, if Mioski's the guy, you think it is. Spend the money. Yes, it's like I've watched them a lot when they played over here at MP. And they were they were always at the bottom end of the B1, so the top division here. And played quite an expansive attacking game, but really poor at the back. And ended up getting relegated in his second season with them there. But I think he top goal scored for them both times. Seven and eight goals. They're not a huge goal scorer, but he's at the turn. And a pretty average team. Um, thought he'd be a, a decent player for Aberdeen. Didn't think he would hit the ground running as well as he has. But I think he's maybe scored more goals already this season than he did last time. And you can tell that he is a player. He's only 23 or 24, I think. He's young. He's adapted to life in Scotland. Listen, he might not be a player that's going to score as many goals in Europe next season if we'd signed him. But he scored his goals in this league. And for the next, what, two, three months, that's all we need. Someone that's going to score us the goals to get us over the line. Yeah. yeah, that is what we need. I'm going to bring two more points up before we go. I keep saying it, but, you know, he's sticking around 15, 1600. He's still on the live stream. Alex Birrell will beat that lot twice. Alex, we're going to have to. We're going to have to beat that lot twice because we go to Pataudry and draw. We draw with St Johnston at home. We go Easter Road and draw. We are going to have to beat Rangers twice to to still be in this title fight. Uh, that's the way that I see it. Yes, the Pona boy. I think um, it's more to do really with the the other options. Um, when Greg Taylor's out at left back, we have got a backup who you know a long time ago we said isn't the answer. And Alexandro Burnaby, um, Tony Ralston can play there out of position. There's other players who can play there out of position. Your only real Natural uh, left back is Mitchell Frame, who is currently injured. Um, you know, we even uh, young Montgomery unfortunately got a, a serious injury as well. 
So, yeah, it's more to do with the experience, the drive, the fight, all these things, the winning mentality that Ralston undoubtedly has that would probably veer me towards putting Tony at left-back um, because he's he's the best of those available when Greg Taylor's out. But we shouldn't be in that position. We should have a ready-made replacement for Greg Taylor to step in, and we don't, and that's really poor. It's poor on the club. It's something that will come back to bite us. Um, it did to a degree today because Burnaby has to share the responsibility of that goal that we conceded. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. Please remember to subscribe to the channel. We're going to be here no matter what for every single game and every single match day as well, Monday to Friday. But it's not just about a live stream. We get stuck in about other things as well, live events, fully produced content like uh, interviews with Alan Thompson and Johan Mialbi, Pierre Van Hoydonk. They're all on the channel. We even released a single a while back. The reason I bring that up is it got its first live airing the other night at King Tut's Wawaha on Thursday night. Uh, the Glory in the Dream was played live by the Wakes. Uh, we get stuck in about quite a lot of different things here at Axom. So join the community and we can get through days like today together. The frustrations, the joys, the highs and the lows. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. Thank you once again, Chris, Kevin and Ian, for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.